please. Three minutes it is after 8 p.m. It is indeed our Shop Stewards Corner here on Metro FM Talk, uh, which we bring to you at the start of every week, taking a look at uh, some of the issues uh, uh, that uh, uh, occupy uh, the uh, labor market here in South Africa and uh, some of the key developments in that space. And uh, more importantly, trying to bring to you some insights from the shop floor and uh, this is where we talk about all the issues affecting working people from the ones on the shop floor right through uh, to many of those who swell the ranks of the unemployed in South Africa and uh, who are looking to eke out a living or a livelihood uh, in our country. Now, well, one of these are sex workers and the, the debate around the decriminalization of sex work has been going on for a long time while the sex workers continue to be violated, abused, and in many cases uh, starved of uh, opportunities to access much-needed uh, public health services and in many instances killed as well. Now, uh, Human Rights Watch uh, recently released a report uh, titled Why Sex Work Should Be Decriminalized in South Africa. The report, according to uh, Human Rights Watch, highlights deep inconsistencies uh, between different government departments in the approach to sex work and uh, services for sex workers. Now, the most notable difference was between the National Department of Health, which makes efforts to support sex workers with access to public health care, and uh, the criminal justice system, which uh, tends to take a more punitive approach. Now, I'm joined uh, to uh, speak about this particular issue by Megan Lessing. Uh, she is a media advocacy officer with the SWET, which is the Sex Workers Education and Advocacy Task Force. I'm also joined by uh, Mickey Meji, and uh, Mickey Meji is uh, uh, advocacy manager at Embrace Dignity. Uh, Mickey and uh, Megan, good evening to the pair of you, and welcome to Metro FM Talk. Uh, good evening, I am. Bonga, and good evening to your listeners too, and thank you for having me on the show. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Megan, you with us there? Yes, yes. Um, thank you, Ayabonga. I'm here. Awesome. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. And Mickey, let me maybe start off with you, Siswam. Uh, I mean, I just want to understand, I guess, from, from your organization, the one you represent, Embrace Dignity, what, uh, what the view is uh, when it comes uh, to this uh, contentious issue of the decriminalization of sex work. And uh, more importantly, I guess, what uh, the perspective of the organization is on this issue and what you think ought to and needs to happen. Okay, um, first and foremost, we, um, we have embrace dignity, and I personally, um, based on my personal experiences, do not recognize the system of prostitution as sex work. Mm. So let's, uh, be for, for, me, for me, the understanding is that um, prostitution or the system of prostitution is neither sex nor is it work to begin with. It's a means of survival when there were no other options or very limited options for people who are rendered vulnerable to be selling sexual services or exchanging their bodies for, for access to men for, for sexual services uh, as a means of survival. So that's one part. But um, the approach that we are taking at Embrace Dignity, we are calling for the government of South Africa to follow a very, um, you know, a, a trend that is gaining popularity in the world. And if South Africa was to, to do that, we would be the eighth country to follow suit after Sweden in 1999. The equality law, which decriminalizes those people who are being bought and sold within the system of prostitution, those ones that uh, South Africans tend to, re, to, um, to, to refer to as sex workers. But we are totally against the decriminalization of the purchase of sexual services or the, pay, the pay, payment of access to women's bodies to, for, for men's sexual gratification, as well as we are also against the decriminalization of those who are selling others for their financial benefit, those who are pimps and brothel keepers. Mm. And we are also calling for the government of South Africa 
not only to um, reform this law and amend this law or enact this law, but we are also calling for, for the government of South Africa to make available exit uh, opportunities for those who are trapped within the system of prostitution mm-hmm. so that so they do not have to... Just a quick one there, and uh, I think the the point is very well made. I mean, I just want to maybe ask a question uh, while you're busy outlining the position here. Why do you say this isn't work? I mean, uh, is that assuming that, I guess, everybody who is engaged in this kind of activity is, is compelled or forced to do so? It's not an assumption, Ayabonga. My uh. nine years of working in the streets, uh. in, in prostitution, I'm yet to come across one woman who has said, I grew up wanting to do this. Everybody wanted out. There is a terminology that women have used within that nine years that, that I spent in the streets. The women that I used to stand along mm. aside. Uh, uh, there is one word that they normally use to say, I want a proper job, mm. meaning that they do not recognize this as work. And within my 10 years of working with organizations that work in advocacy with women, I'm yet across to come one woman who said, I, this is what I want and this is what I recognize as work. Even for those who actually say it is sex work, it is sex work because there is no any other way right now. But if they were offered any other opportunity, they would leave it uh, right there and there. Okay. All right. Masiba Mabasiswam, just for a second, allow me to bring in Megan at this point. Megan, uh, I mean, what, what do you make, uh, I guess, uh, you know, in the first instance, uh, of what Mickey is saying? And then also, uh, what's the position of Sweat here, which I assume would be fundamentally different to that of Embrace Dignity? It is fundamentally different, Ayabonga. Um, Sweat has been advocating for the decriminalization for over 20 years now. Mm. So from our position, it, it's really a constitutional position. The choices that we make about our bodies as adults, as consenting adults, are our own. So uh, it, it stems from the, the, the ownership and the agency and the empowerment of 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 the decision we make. So we, we have been advocating for the decriminalization. Um, the Nordic model that has been brought up, you know, currently we are we are under criminalization. And we as um, service providers for uh, service users, for sex workers, as an organization, you know, that focuses on um, advocating law reform. We run a legal defense center. We um, have an outreach program. We have a program for mothers who are sex workers mm. that work with sex workers, understand that the, all of this research, this Human Rights, uh, Rights Watch report you, you mentioned, is a report based on sex workers. Mm. So if people go around saying that they don't come across people who have said that they want decriminalization, that they recognize sex workers' work, that they make uh, decisions about their bodies as adult, as consenting adults. Mm. Me- Megan, what, what, what's your view in terms of, I guess, what Mickey says about you know this probably not being, um, how do I say it? You know, the job of choice, right? Uh, she's saying it's, this is neither sex nor is it work, but in essence, it is exploitation. What's your view on that? Well, see, uh, sweet is against human trafficking. Uh, uh, we, we we advocate for that very clearly. So um, I don't I, I'm, I'm at a loss because um, six workers that we work with, you know, uh, the bill that we, 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 we drafted is based on what they want, and they want decriminalisation. We we don't make choices for mm. other people. 
So okay. these are the choices that we put forward because this is what takes place this month. Okay. Megan, l- let's pause there for a second and uh, also, I guess, try and reestablish a much better line. I'm hearing a lot of interference uh, on that line. Let's take this brief break and we'll continue our conversation on the other side of this break. 13 minutes it is after 8pm. It's our Shop Stewards Corner. And this evening we're taking a look at uh, the uh, decriminalization of sex work. And if you just joined our conversation, I am uh, talking to Megan Lessing. Uh, she is with the Sex Workers Education and Advocacy Task Force, SWET, uh, where she is a media advocacy officer and also joined uh, by uh, uh, Advocacy Officer at Embrace Dignity, or Advocacy Manager, I should say, at Embrace Dignity, and that's Mickey Meiji. And uh, Mickey, let me bring you in here. Uh, you would have certainly heard the, uh, some of the views that Megan was uh, expressing, saying, you know, their position as sweat is informed uh, by uh, constitutional imperatives to decide what you use your one's body for. And uh, more importantly, uh, I guess in recognition of the agency of many women who uh, see this context of uh, widespread joblessness, uh, widespread underemployment, and uh, who then say, in this kind of context where I guess I can't find maybe a better job, as you suggest, uh, then uh, this is also an activity that uh, can, put food, can put food on the table. What do you make of that position? Okay, so the Constitution, Ayabonga, makes provision for all these rights to be recognized. Mm. But the same Constitution has some rights that can be protected limitedly with no limit. And there are some rights that can be limited, provided they are, they, they are infringing on another right. Now, the right on Section 22 of Chapter 2, which says you have the right to choose uh, freely your, prof- your profession, occupation, and trade, can be limited uh, as per Section 36 of our Constitution that protects the right to life and the right to dignity to dignity entirely. And the system of prostitution undermines directly the right to dignity, and it also threatens directly and indirectly the the right to life based on these conditions that women who are involved in prostitution, who are are in prostitution, are more exposed uh, to, to, to risk of violence from the men who purchase them, the pimps and brothel keepers, and that isn't that because they are isn't that also, because their, their work isn't recognized women, by the law? Women, women who are in who are in prostitution are also also more at risk um, to to vulnerable uh, to diseases such as mm. and not limited to sure. HIV and AIDS and other related um, diseases. And this so then threatens the right to life in that way. Mm. Can we pause there for a second? I mean, w- would you not say that all of the risk factors that you outline um, are made more pronounced well, because this particular... Can I, can wait, sorry, can I just finish the, the question I'm, I'm asking as a follow-up? Um, okay. Sis Miki, isn't, uh, aren't all of the risk factors that you mentioned also an outcome of the fact that you know this particular industry might have been driven underground by its continued criminalization here in South Africa? It's very strange, Ayabonga, too, uh, that, that I would also very say, say no because, okay. um, I mean, I was not open about being in prostitution to my family, not because I was fearing being arrested or because of the criminality, but because I was not accepting of the situation that I was in and also because it is not a, 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 a job that I'm proud of. And you would see this even when the sex workers are marching. They are wearing masks in a job that they defend so much proudly. Do you understand? So it means that even the very same people that are advocating for this will be recognized as okay. I'm not proud of it. And if you want to tell can me that... Me- Megan, I'll give you an opportunity. Megan, Megan, uh, Megan, 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 wait, guys, wait, 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 Megan, 
let's allow Mickey to finish her point. Megan, Megan, no, 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 wait, guys, wait, this is not going to work. Megan, please, uh, let's pause for a second and give Mickey an opportunity to conclude her point. You will then make your point without any disturbance, okay? Mickey, what I was uh, what I was saying, Ayabonga, is that the fact that people are, are being driven underground, uh, has, uh, especially for women who are bought and sold with yes. the system of prostitution, is not by, driven by uh, the, the, the fact of criminality. It is driven by the fact that okay. this is not something that they are proud okay. to be right. doing and they want to okay. do. Okay, let's you pause understand? there. Megan, yes, <laughs> I understand that. Megan, yes. please come in there. Sex workers wear masks when, when they are in the media to protect, to protect mostly their children. The, it's because we we have been moralizing the decisions that most of the women make about their bodies. Mm. This is this is this is why people wear masks. It's not because they're ashamed. Nobody is ashamed to put bread on their table when their children can eat. The current law even criminalizes that child just because he's being fed by uh, you know the, the the remuneration from sex work. Because this is how criminalization currently in this country is sanctioned GBV. It drives sex workers under underground. It is exactly as you said, Ayabonga. It is the situ- it's the conditions of this criminalized legal model that we are experiencing right now that leads to the kind of human rights violations. When you started the program, you talked expressly about how sex workers have increasingly enjoyed more uh, Better healthcare services, but let's be honest. Those healthcare services is like the clinic that Switch runs, is the NGOs that are funded mostly by international funding, because of you know the, the HIV programs and the sexual and reproductive health program run by not just government. Hmm. When we talk about the police, the the, the 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 issue you started with, when we say that, because it's really difficult to prove. Sex work, the crime of sex work, because you have to be caught in the act of getting remuneration for the work done. So it's difficult to prove. So what the police now does is that they use provincial and local bylaws, you know, like vacancy and public nuisance and loitering. Uh, one of the things that I can for sure say, I have not met a sex worker that has been before a magistrate. So they get picked up for made-up laws and kept overnight, and then tomorrow you pay an admission of guilt time, which often is extortion. Mm. Megan, well, what's your when view? When you allow a policeman to extort someone yeah. for sex to, to get free, this is what criminal, criminalization allows sure, currently. Sure. Megan, let, let me follow up with a question. Though. Well, in that context, what, what do you make of uh, the point that Mickey is raising, which is, you know, a lot of the, I guess, a f- sense of feeling ashamed, a lot of this hiding isn't necessarily about, you know, fear of recrimin- uh, recrimination on the part of, uh, I guess, the law itself uh, because of uh, uh, the fact that this activity is driven underground, but that a lot of it is also self-shame. A lot of it is, uh, you know, many of these w- sex workers really not wanting to do this kind of work, but feeling compelled either by the force of the people who organize them into this kind of work and benefit from it, or uh, because really there's no other livelihood option open to them. Uh, you, I've, I've made this point before, that when we are able to provide for the people that we provide for, overwhelming majority of the 100, almost 200,000 sex workers in this country are breadwinners. So when we are in that role as a breadwinner, as someone who's responsible for other people, there's very little shame when you reach your goals. There's no shame in that. 
the shame is when people moralize and they uh, often put religion and, and things like that. And let's make no mistake that many mothers do not want to be ousted as sex workers because it's not for the, the, they fear shame. They fear the victimization of their children. Mm. That is what they fear. That has been documented over and over and over again. And it has happened before where irresponsible journalists, you know, or maybe sometimes by mistake, without a sex worker. And, and it's often the children and family who are victimized because of, 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 of that. So there's no shame there. There's no shame in the work. We shame people, society and communities, based on three obscure ideas we have around morality. Mm. And uh, I want us to pause there for a second and uh, we'll continue with our conversation on the other side of this brief break. Also want to invite some of our listeners to weigh in on our conversation. Give us a ring on 089-110-3377, 089-110-3377 and we'll continue with Megan and Mickey on the other side of this break. You're listening to our Shop Stewards Corner. 23 minutes it is after 8 p.m. Uh, you tuned into our Shop Stewards Corner. If you just joined us, uh, we're talking about the decriminalization of sex work. And I'm joined for this conversation by uh, Miki Meji. She's uh, advocacy manager at uh, Embrace Dignity. Also joined by uh, Megan Lessing from the Sex Workers Education and Advocacy Task Force, a sweat where she is a media advocacy officer. Let's take a quick look at some of the tweets that have come through uh, before I go back uh, to uh, uh, Megan and uh, Mickey, and uh, we'll also uh, get an opportunity, I guess, to take some calls uh, towards the end there. Sissy put on uh, Twitter saying, uh, human trafficking is one of my concerns with this. Women should have autonomy of, over their bodies, but in the patriarchal society we live in, uh, this uh, act oppresses women and also facilitates sex slavery. And uh, Raymond Montimabue coming through and saying, this sex work debate needs a bit more time. Both these ladies have to come in studio and unpack this. And uh, SS Miki, I want to come back to you and uh, just maybe get some of your reaction uh, to the comments that Megan was making earlier on uh, about uh, the reasons why uh, sex workers, uh, when they are engaged in protest, cover their faces. Um, I'll tell you something, Ayabonga. Um, the very first protest in South Africa was organized by me in three different cities. And I know the notion behind that. And um, so Megan was not part of that. She was nowhere there. She has never been uh, in prostitution before, so she doesn't know what she's talking about. She is making an assumption. And the reason behind all of us deciding that at that particular time that we needed masks was because we were not proud of what we were doing. So, so, so there is no assumption in what I'm talking about. I am making a valid point that I know about. And the first ever match was in 2011, in February, I mean in March, so I know for a fact that this is what women are talking about. But then if she chooses to understand and believe something otherwise, then that's the issue. Mm. And also with your family, if you are not ashamed, why would you not open up with your family? I remember the, the recent case of Nokupila uh, Kumale never told her mother that she was a sex worker. But what she told her mother was that she was working at bar, as a bartender. Did she fear that her children were going to be victimized by her own mother? Did she fear that she was going to be re-victimized or even arrested by her own family? No. She was ashamed. So, Sister Miki, I mean, the, the, there's one thing I want to understand here. I, you know, this is the oldest profession in the world. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, uh, from where I'm sitting, I mean, one would argue that, you know, notwithstanding all of this feeling of being ashamed, there is something to be said about the impact that this has on household incomes and the ability of many of those households to survive in a context where there aren't any jobs. Uh, I mean, what's your response to that? 
My first response to the or, or to prostitution being the first, uh, the, the oldest oppression. I mean, no, no, oldest, oldest profession. profession I, yes. wa- I want to call it the oldest uh, oppression okay. to begin with. Okay. And, and, other, and, and other things, um, uh, I doesn't necessarily mean that some, something that has been there forever, we need to live with it and, sure. and accept it. Sure. Otherwise, we, could, we might as well decriminalize murder, we might as well decriminalize rape, because they've been there for as long as I can remember. So that, 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 that's, that's not an argument that we should play, put in place. And what we are arguing is that make provision to, 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 get, to, to eradicate poverty so that we do not offer the system of prostitution as a solution for those who are in poverty and come from disadvantaged backgrounds. We are asking, we are appealing to the government of South Africa to make accessible higher education to those who are disadvantaged. The, the government of South Africa to create more opportunities for women, to, to capacitate women so that women are able to sustain themselves. And look at it this way. This system of prostitution is not a sustainable thing because the older you become and the more, uh, the more experience you gain within this thing called work, sex work, you, you earn less. And how is that sustainable? How is that dealing with the issues of poverty and sustaining women? Okay, Megan, let me bring you in here. Uh, your response? Um, I didn't catch all of what, what Mickey said, but let me just say this. The government should eradicate poverty regardless of the decriminalization or criminalization sure. of, the, of the decisions or the legislation around sex work. Mm. That is its job. It's supposed to create job opportunities for women, for, for citizens of this country. Mm. So, so that is besides the point. What we are, are asking the government to do is to look at currently what criminalization, how criminalization is treating a key population, and that is sex workers. And we also should, um, but although the overwhelming majority of sex workers are women, we should also understand that within that sex work population, there are also trans, um, trans sex workers mm. who are even more so uh, victimized in the system. They are male tra- um, sex workers. In fact, sex work was started by a male sex worker. So this is what we are asking government to do, is to look at how sex work, the, the current legal model, is impacting or, or how it is treating citizens of this country. Regardless of the work that we choose to do, and sex work is work. We have very limited choices, but we make choices nonetheless. Mm, mm, Sex mm. work is work. And when uh, we look at the decisions, nobody, no government has the right to punish people. You know, they, they, they license uh, each civil society, like the police, to police sex work in a way that is dehumanizing. And that affects the dignity of people. It's how we are treated as citizens, not by the choices we make. Just talk to me briefly, I mean, Megan, about this whole idea of shame, right? Uh, because, you know, I, I mean, I'm sitting here and uh, my sense is that, you know, stigma and shame and uh, uh, taboos in general, uh, a lot of those have to do with generational issues, right? And that over time, you, you know, you might find things are acceptable now that were taboo 50 years ago, that were frowned upon or seen as something you should be ashamed of 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how much of this uh, issue of shame really has to do with how, you know, in the legal eye, this kind of activity has been viewed? It, it starts, firstly, the first thing that comes to my mind is the language. You know, when, when someone says to me, a sex worker says to me, um, I prefer to be called a sex worker rather than a prostitute already. Mm. You know, one takes agency and they, they, they empower themselves. Mm. This is who I am. 
when we misgender people, that is a, is, is a form of, of violence. So we, 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 we put power back in the, the hands of people. So when we look at, you know, some of the, this, this issue, issue of shame is that we talk about this often that we, even if I decide, if I'm a, I'm a sex worker, I decide I don't want my name or my face out in the open. It's not because I'm ashamed. It's because of the choices that I make. Nobody knows how, you know, my choices will impact my life. So we respect. We respect the choices people make about their bodies. We respect the choices people make about what they disclose and how much they disclose. Uh, a sex worker who is on TV and speaks freely is no more valued than a sex worker who chooses not to. Mm, mm. And it's got nothing really to do with shame. When we talk about the times, and I think this is where, you know, the involvement of social media has come in, because now there are actual sex workers on Twitter. They talk on Facebook and they talk about the work that they do, the everyday life, the challenges they face. Some are studying. Some, it's a 100%, you know, it's the, it's the income. Some are doing two, three jobs. Do you know what I mean? So, so now we have this idea. It's not this, uh, you know, I don't know, like a TV idea we have of what a sex worker is. It's everyday people who live and have the same challenges that we have every day and they want to provide and they want to be, you know, successful. And, and those are the things that, that is, is positive but how, uh, how things have been evolving. What is also positive is, is the positive policing partnership. That's an initiative that because of now sex workers freely say, I'm being violet, violated, my rights, my human rights. You know, people mm. speak out okay. in Make these places. So now there are opportunities yeah. for the police to come out and say, Let's work together. Let's see how we can fix this. Okay. Megan, I want you to pause there for a second. And uh, this Mikhail, I'll give you an opportunity to respond shortly. I just want to take uh, some of our callers here who have been, I guess, holding the line quite uh, patiently there. I've got Caroline, uh, okay. who's calling us all the way from Tswane. Caroline, good evening to you and welcome to Metro FM Talk. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I, I just think, I mean, for me, I, you know what, when you say that sex work is a profession, I mean, I, I don't know when it was classified. I mean, if you think of, you know what, the first thing that comes to mind is just like taking a girl child to work. Mm. I mean, would I want to take my girl child when I go and do sex work? I think that's, that's sort of... But you wouldn't be able to because it's illegal. And um, so, but in any, in, I mean, anywhere, even where it's legal, you know what I'm saying? Is that something that we would really, we, would you really want to do that? Um, and then the other thing is, is men that are involved, you know what I'm saying? Are they, you know, they are creating the demand mm. um, and the pimps and the, and the organ. So, I mean, that's my other question is, sure. why is that not part of the argument? You okay. know, the guys that actually, you, you know, that, that use these services, mm. you know. Um, so, I mean, I, I haven't heard that much, you know, being part of this discussion. Okay. And I think just, just also being a nurse is, once again, I think what, what Miki just also mentioned is how sustainable is this, you know? And, I mean, just looking at, at women's health and, I mean, how do you, how do you regulate um, sex? You know what I'm saying? How, mm. do you, how do you determine how far men go and what they expect? And at what point do you then draw a line, you know what I'm saying, to say, you know what, yeah. well, this is now abuse okay. or this is now rape. 
you know. Okay. I mean, that it just becomes very gray and very blurry. Okay. I think that comp- compromises, you know, women. Um, so, yeah, that's just sort of, yeah, so thanks to Mickey, but, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, yeah, this is okay. something that's very important to talk about, so thank you so much. Thank you so much, Caroline from Matswane, uh, for that okay. view, and uh, Mickey, I want to maybe bring you in here, uh, uh, some of your comments, of course, to uh, the issues that Megan was raising, and then uh, to also to Caroline's questions around... Uh, you know, uh, I mean, would you, would you take a girl child to this kind of work uh, if indeed we are to think of it as a profession? And uh, more importantly, the role of men in this as uh, the people who drive demand. And I know as Embrace uh, Dignity, you have a view on that. Okay, uh, let me start with Caroline's um, uh, views. Uh, and I mean, if you remember quite, quite well, in my opening line, I spoke about um, the decriminalization of those who are bought and sold, the criminalization of those who purchase the services which was me bringing in, in uh, men's role into the argument. Yes. But um, the point of the matter is that um, we always hear about women, women, women. And the point of the matter, Ayabonga, is that there are more men involved in the, within the system of prostitution than there is women. Mm. Uh, and I take this from saying that if we have uh, five women who are selling sex and those women each have six clients um, per, per, per person, then multiply that by five, you get 30. So it's 30 men versus um, five women. So men need to be involved, but also the ideology of, uh, of promoting uh, the system of prostitution as, as work for, me, uh, for Megan's argument is, has nothing to do about the sexual liberation of women. It is all about men's access to women's bodies to objectify and, and, and commodify for their own sexual gratification. It has nothing to do about the liberation of men. And like Caroline had said, how do you, uh, you, 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 there is no way that you can determine how far a man can go, especially when you've moved. Uh, from the area where you are at. Because those who are advocating for the system of prostitution to be recognized as work and its decriminalization have this thing of saying that it will not be underground. But let me tell you one thing, Ayabong. It's not like when prostitution is decriminalized, we'll start having sex in the middle of the road because we want to be safe. <laughs> we will still go to a, a secluded areas where we are at the mercy of the men mm, who catches us mm. within the system of prostitution. So that doesn't seem to us. We are not going to be having sex right in the middle of the road sure. or at the taxi rank or at the bus terminals or at the station, we are going to go to the bushes. But do, you, but do you not feel then that when those abuses happen, you would then have recourse to the law? I mean, under the current system, I think a lot of uh, sex workers find it difficult to report on cases mm-hmm. of abuse, on cases of rape, because... Mm-hmm. Okay, so I should have that opportunity to have a recourse to the law, mm. but I do not want to be in the first place being exposed. Sure more than other women, for me to be able to, if I survive, if I'm alive, to come back and report to the police officers. Remember I said the violence that we experience as a man who purchases us within the system of prostitution and the violence we experience from pimps and brothel keepers is inevitable. So it, 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 it depends. I might be alive to report, I might not be alive. As we've seen with many cases, the Nogupila Kumalo Sayamli and others that I've sure. not mentioned. So I do not even want to be found in that position, especially in South Africa today, where being a woman is scary on its own. Mm. Just a woman, and a, a, a woman who has a job that is supposed to be safe, working as a cashier, where you are not expecting every uh, customer that you are serving at the till uh, or at, at pick and pay to pull out a gun or a knife on you. It's even scary. How much more for women who can stand in the streets? In the middle of the night, 
going in and out of strange men's cars and going and driving with them to bushes to to do I don't know what. Mm. How much more for those women? I do not even want to find myself in that position to begin with. Okay. Let's pause there for a second. And Megan, uh, you've been listening in quite uh, intently there. And uh, uh, I want to maybe read this tweet to you just uh, uh, to uh, preface your response here. And it's from Siabonga here on Twitter saying, I believe that uh, no one is doing this job out of uh, the love of it. They are forced by circumstances. People advocating for this decriminalization are the masterminds who benefit from human trafficking. What, what is your view here? And uh, more importantly, uh, your view on the role of men here as the uh, people who drive much of the demand for this kind of uh, work. In a recent Ayabonga uh, panel discussion, this has come up, and people who have done extensive research have said that because we keep saying the same thing. Trafficking is not sex work. Mm. And uh, I feel like the people uh, on purpose want to conflate the fact that selling someone is very different from someone making a decision to sell sex. So uh, this conflation of trafficking and um, um, sex work, I feel like it's on purpose right now. Also, the, 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 the discussion we have around, you know, when women are violated in this uh, position, you know, it makes me so uncomfortable because right now we do what we always do. We make women complicit in their rapes. Because if you weren't there, if you didn't put yourself in that position, it wouldn't have happened to you. Where is the ownership? Uh, Caroline raised this question about we are not talking about the buyer. Uh, only since, I think, 2007, yeah? Uh, South Africa has criminalized the buying of sex. But I think to date, there has only been, I think, one court case that was thrown out halfway through because the, the act that sort of regulates the criminalization is such an archaic, ineffective act, even for criminalization. Mm. It makes no sense. Okay. Megan, yes. uh, we're going to have to leave it there. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. And uh, I want to maybe express my gratitude uh, to uh, both you and uh, Mickey Meiji, uh, Advocacy Manager at uh, Embrace Dignity, and uh, uh, Megan Lessing at uh, the Sex Worker Education and Advocacy Task Force, uh, where she is the media advocacy officer. And uh, I guess it's quite clear, even to the pair of you, uh, that uh, this particular conversation is probably going to need a bit more time. And uh, it's uh, one of those that uh, we're probably going to have to dedicate a bit more time to uh, going forward um, uh, so that we can ensure that we ventilate all of the different uh, sides to this uh, particular conversation. And I want to wrap it up here with a tweet coming through from Momo who says, if a woman wants to sell her body, so be it. We should only be focusing on protecting them and giving them the dignity they deserve. And uh, I guess it's quite clear, even from the tweets that have come through and uh, uh, some of the uh, calls here, that uh, this is a matter. Uh, that uh, probably uh, no one is unanimous on, or the views aren't necessarily unanimous, and uh, those are the kind of conversations that we want to have here. So big thank you uh, to uh, Megan and to Mickey there for joining us uh, for our Shop Stewards Corner, and that's where we're going to leave it uh, for this uh, evening.